What is up, my friends, and welcome back to the Vegas Confessions Podcast. This is episode 111. I'm your host, Jay. And I'm Kelly. In this episode, we're going to cover some interesting topics as we're getting ready to make the move, but another franchise is getting ready to make the move, as they announced recently, and we have a very interesting story when it comes to how FedEx saved their company and how it involves Las Vegas, and so much more. Let's do it. <laughs> hey there, everyone. This is Matt Bridget, and you are listening to the Vegas Confessions Podcast. Didn't we go to my favorite dive bar before that? We went yeah. to Double Down. Double Down Saloon. Yeah, we had some ash juice. I am all about asking. Yeah, <laughs> I need to go check that room. There's like a dead guy in the in the bed. And the, the lady at the counter says, well, we'll call housekeeping. Like, housekeeping? Jay's never met an asshole he didn't like. <laughs> Shout out to the guy at third base at the blackjack table I was at last, who was obviously trying to keep a high-low count, but was mouthing the numbers as the cards were being turned over. Be careful what you say, because we can have you whacked. Hey, I'm Nicky Fermich, and you're listening to the Vegas Confessions Podcast. So before we jump into anything, we do have to give some Patreon shout outs to the folks that support this podcast and YouTube channel and everything that we do here. Eric Rosenthal, David Sowell, Scott Jarvis, Taylor Jew, Michael Traeger, Graham from the Sheftimony podcast, Travis Atherton, Rodney Kelly, Scott and Lisa, Neil Macedo, Rick D, and Joshua Palmer. Thank you folks. You guys are awesome. So let's jump into an interesting topic recently that's come up, and a lot of people have been talking about it since we're getting ready to make the move, but somebody else is getting ready to make the move as they announced that the Oakland A's signed a land deal with Stations Casino in Las Vegas. So, And there's been a lot of speculation already about, hey, we don't really want the A's, but this kind of same stuff happened with the Raiders. So right. I thought we'd talk about it, and this would be an interesting one to cover. Because So what I find interesting about it is, if people don't know, the A's themselves have been the second most moved franchise in sports history. They started off in Philadelphia, then went to Kansas City, then Oakland. And I don't know if it, in all sports history, but baseball. No, in sports history. Oh, really? Yeah, in sports so history. I knew it. everybody's been talking about it. All the podcasts have come on. The, the big news is, you know, the A's. And they did mention like how many times. I think it's like four. Mm-hmm. This right? is the fourth number move four. now. Yes. Yeah. But I can't say I'm super surprised. You know, I went to the Oakland Stadium probably like 20 years ago, and yeah. I only went because they were playing the Yankees, and I'm a big Yankees fan. Right. And 20 years ago, the stadium was falling apart, and, and it had low attendance, and, and it's in the ghetto. Yeah. You know, it's it's a high-crime area, so you really, it's not an appealing place to go as a fan. And you absolutely hit that one on on the head with the stadium itself has been long overdue for renovations. Right. Oakland has put, the A's themselves have offered to put up a billion dollars to make right. this new stadium and Oakland couldn't get organizing right. and some of the stuff settled. Because it really wasn't a priority for Oakland. No. But then, you know, the mayor comes on and is appalled by the decision. And I'm like, really? Because they've asked for years for help on hey, let's rejuvenate this team. Let's rejuvenate this area. Let's rejuvenate this stadium. Let's make something. Right. She was a little bitter because all of this happened mid-talks of their deal that they were working out with the A's. But for years, they have been lollygagging and dragging their feet. So you know what? Good for Las Vegas. And you know what? In the other spectrum is 
the owner of the Raiders who's pissed off at the A's as well because he kind of said something in regards to if the A's never would have said they were moving, we would have stayed in Oakland and made upgrades to the stadiums that we needed or brought in something new itself. So he was kind of throwing a little shade at the A's for making the move and decision to come into Las Vegas. But I say good for Vegas, you know, and it all started when they brought in the Golden Knights. That was the first franchise they brought in saying, let's take a chance on professional sports in Vegas. And, you know, Golden Knights proved them good because they did so well that first year. You know what I mean? It really started the bandwagon. But then they got the Aces. Then they got the Raiders. And now is coming the A's. And I really think that they'll do well because it's a tourist town. So people are like, hell yeah, we'll jump on board. This could be our team. And while we're on vacation there, let's catch a game. Yeah. No, it's just really interesting because now Oakland has literally no teams left. Right. The basketball team is gone, baseball and football team. And it's just like, dang. So what caught even more attention was a post that I put up about the actual mayor commenting on everything. Mm -hmm. It went crazy on Instagram with people commenting from Oakland or people commenting about Oakland. Oh, man. I was like, wow. Okay, I didn't know I (laughs) stirred that up. But yeah, that was very interesting. But you brought up a good topic, the Vegas Knights, which I also had in my notes here. They're on fire right now. And what's really interesting about them is they beat Winnipeg two games at Winnipeg and After losing the first game, yeah, came home and took it. But Circa did something really cool, and I noticed this I thought that was awesome. It was the Miles to Memories podcast, who they do an awesome job of covering stuff, right? Well, they mentioned about on game four, you can go and watch the game for free over at Stadium Swim if you just wore a Golden Knights jersey, shirt, just anything Golden Knights, you can go up there for free to watch the game, which is brilliant marketing. And if you have not been to Stadium Swim... The screens out there at Circus Pool are just phenomenal and they are awesome to watch to and a lot of times if you're not staying there you have to pay yeah you know right. there's some kind of a cover fee oh, whether yeah. it's, it's like 25 bucks 20 40 yeah. it depends on really days. on the yeah, right. on the year or yeah, right. if it's the weekend yeah. or whatever but for them to invite people in and you could swim too like because their their pools are heated you know so it was hey wear something golden knights and you know you can watch the game you can you know swim do whatever yeah. so that was an awesome marketing for for Derek. You know, I think, you know, Derek Stevens did a great job or whoever brought that idea to Derek was like, because it's a it's a total win win because you're a Vegas person and you love the Golden Knights and that casino is bringing you in saying, hey, come watch our giant ass screens and root for our hometown team. Yeah. And what's really neat is you're going to get people there that have never been there for the first time. And of course, you know, they're going to have drinks and they're going to hang out. Yes. And it was an evening game. So you're, it's not like the pool is going to be overly populated at that time. So you're bringing more people in for business and people who haven't been there, they're going to be like, hell yeah, I'm going to book here next time because I want to come to this pool. I got to see this. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it is. And you know, what I'm excited about is this may bring up opportunities for them if it did do really well to do it again during right. the upcoming games because they're waiting on the next team to win out their series and the Knights are at it again. And so. we don't have no problem talking about it saying great job Circa. No, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, you if know. I was in town, I'd definitely be there. Oh, heck yeah, yeah I would have too oh, because 100%. just going over there with Sid this summer, I was like, this is a great place yeah. to hang out. Yeah. It is. It was just an awe experience and to get to go relax and not, because I'm not one that likes to really sunbathe yeah. <laughs> and stay on the heat and it was hot when we were there in July. Yeah. But to go for an evening and just relax out there with these Mm -hmm. giant screens and enjoy yourself that's great 
fantabulous. What I'll also mention is they also had the Golden Knights cheerleaders out at the stadium swim pool. Oh, did so they? So that was really neat That's to cool. add on top of it, yeah. I didn't even know Golden Knights had cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. It's oh, hockey. shitload of them. Oh, wow, yeah. that's, oh, yeah. that's very interesting. So every interesting. night when they do walk-ins to the games over at the T-Mobile Arena, they march through the whole park area, and oh. they have a marching band, they have okay. cheerleaders, the mascot, everybody comes through. It's really fun. Interesting. Really fun. Yeah, if you're in the area and the nights that the Golden Knights play, you'll hear the horn go off at game time. Yeah. While you're outside on this trip, you'll hear this big ass horn go off. That's when you know it's game time and it's puck drop and it's, it's it gets loud. It's it's awesome. It's really awesome. So if you're in the area around any game time during a home game, go check out that area. It gets fun. That's cool. This next one I wanted to mention because this has been a topic that I found interesting for years, and it's the FedEx story. Now I had you watch the video. I that just finished I, we're watching cover, it. Yeah. And this thing has blown my mind for a while. Just this whole story and the backstory of it. Basically, how FedEx saved the company. So. I've always heard people mention different mixed stories about how this story took place. And there's plenty of videos on YouTube about this topic. But this one that I found was the shortest and just kind of covered everything in detail. Right. So so I'm going to bring in some of this audio here. This is from the YouTube channel Magnets Media. He's got almost a million subscribers and he covers business and all kinds of different channels that he has. But this one's a pretty fascinating listen. So let's jump into it and we'll cover our reactions afterwards. Let's do it. FedEx employs well over half a million people worldwide, has a market cap of over $40 billion, and delivers millions of packages every day in countries all over the world. But in the early 1970s, this future shipping empire depended on one man, $5,000, and a weekend in Las Vegas. This is the absolutely crazy story of FedEx. Frederick Wallace Smith, founder of FedEx, did not get off to a good start in life. At the age of four, his father passed away, and for the first 10 years of his life, Fred was afflicted with a type of childhood arthritis called Perthes disease that affected his hips, temporarily causing a loss of blood flow and affecting his ability to walk. Thus, Fred was forced to spend his early years in leg braces and use crutches to get around. And Fred faced bullying as a child because of his condition. However, by his 10th birthday, Fred had overcome this, and he was able to not only walk, but within a few years began to acquire a love for flying, something that would play a pivotal role in his future success. But during high school, Fred started his first small business, the Ardent Record Company, which he founded along with some friends. It started as a small recording studio in a garage, but eventually grew into a larger recording company which actually still operates to this day. However, Fred left the company in 1962 to go to Yale University and study economics. In his junior year, Fred wrote a term paper where he proposed a business idea that he said could revolutionize the way goods were transported. Now, at the time, packages were shipped throughout the US in the cargo holds of commercial airliners, and thus the delivery schedules were at the mercy of the passenger airlines. This meant package delivery times were much slower and less predictable. So for people who had something to send urgently, for example, medical supplies or legal documents, surely there had to be a better and faster way. So Fred's idea was to buy a fleet of jets, fly in the middle of the night whilst airports weren't as busy with outgoing flights, and then sort the packages at one central hub, and deliver the packages from there by truck. 
Fred believed this idea of carrying small, high-priority packages at night would mean that companies and individuals could have their packages delivered in just one or two days, much faster than the current restrictive airline schedule. Fred was excited about his idea and handed in his college paper. However, he ended up only getting a C grade from his economics professor, who told him that the idea wasn't feasible and wouldn't work. Fred was obviously very deflated by this, but he was still convinced the idea had potential and wanted to pursue it and prove his professor wrong. However, after graduating from Yale in 1966, he would not get a chance to act on it. The Vietnam War was becoming more intense, and Fred's flying experience led him to three years in the US Marine Corps, including two tours in Vietnam as a navigator. His life was undoubtedly in danger during this period, and on one occasion, he even survived a Viet Cong ambush. However, during Fred's time in the military, two crucial things happened. Firstly, he paid close attention to how the military handled both sending and receiving goods, and noticed many ways their shipping logistics could be improved. There were often times where supplies took too long to get from one place to another. And secondly, in his spare moments in the barracks, Fred would always play blackjack, and he very quickly got a reputation for being really good at it. Of course, at the time, Fred was just playing for fun, a brief distraction from the horrors of war. But little did Fred know that this card game would completely change his life and the entire future of shipping. After leaving the Marines in 1970 and witnessing the destruction of war, Fred said he was so sick of destroying and blowing things up and that he came back determined to do something more constructive. So once again thrusting himself into the unknown, at age 26, Fred began working at his father-in-law's business called Arkansas Aviation Sales and soon bought a controlling interest in the company. The business was originally an aviation servicing and repair company, but Fred helped transform it into more of an aircraft dealership, which significantly increased company profits. But Fred was frustrated with how slowly things moved. Shipping parts from one point to another took too long, and the company was regularly struggling to get the parts they needed on time. Fred was once again reminded of his idea from his economics paper that would enable shipments to be delivered across the country within just 24 hours, as they wouldn't be reliant on passenger planes that happened to be flying to the destination the package was going. So Fred began planning out a system using both air and ground transportation that would be more efficient and involve non-passenger planes taking the packages to a central sorting facility where they then be sent off on their own separate routes and delivered by trucks. It was a hub-and-spoke system that he felt could truly revolutionize shipping, but he concluded he needed 14 jets to begin his full operation. Now, Fred's family were wealthy, as his father had been a successful businessman who'd run several different enterprises, including a restaurant chain called Toddle House. And thus, before Fred's dad had passed away, he'd set up a trust fund for Fred. However, despite this, Fred still had nowhere near enough money for the size of the operation he was planning. So, Fred began pitching it to investors, and they were impressed with Fred's knowledge of the airline industry. It was clear Fred had put a lot of thought into this system, and investors knew what a lucrative business this could be if he pulled it off. So by 1972, Fred managed to get around $91 million in loans and venture capital funding to build his revolutionary shipping business. Now, Fred's initial plan was actually to focus on checks to start with. Of course, nowadays we take for granted money being instantly transferred all over the world, but back in the days when people sent checks as payments, it was often a very long process. And so Fred contacted the Federal Reserve, America's central banking system, hoping they could strike up a partnership. At the time, checks would often have a 10-day turnaround time, whereas with Fred's new shipping system, it could be a 24-hour process, allowing them to quickly deliver checks between the Federal Reserve banks. The Fed seemed to like the idea as well and agreed to the deal, so Fred went ahead and bought and outfitted a small fleet of lightweight aircraft to fulfill the contract. Landing the Fed as a client also inspired Fred's choice of business name, as he originally called the company Federal Express. Thus, Fred's shipping business was 
finally born, and the Federal Express logo was proudly plastered on each plane, letterhead, business card, and bulletin board. Fred had his first client, and a very big client at that, and so the future looked exciting. And then, quite suddenly, the Federal Reserve backed out of the deal, meaning Fred was stuck with the planes, bills, and the name Federal Express, despite no longer working with the Fed. This was a massive setback. But Fred kept the name Federal Express anyway. In fact, it wouldn't be until 1994 that he changed the company name to FedEx Corporation instead, because most people simply referred to the company by the shortened nickname FedEx anyway. But anyway, back in the early 70s, since he was no longer going to be transporting checks for the Federal Reserve, Fred turned his attention to shipping small, urgent packages for businesses and consumers. And on April 17th, 1973, FedEx officially began operating. Fred chose to base the company in Memphis, since it was fairly centrally located in the US, which made it an ideal hub for Fred's plan. Plus, Memphis Airport agreed to make certain adjustments they needed for the business to operate smoothly, and had additional hangar space readily available. Plus, the airport was rarely closed because of bad weather. So, FedEx was in business. And on the first night of operating, 14 aircraft delivered 186 packages to 25 different US cities. And word of this overnight delivery system quickly spread. The vision Fred had had back when he wrote the economics paper all those years ago was finally now a reality. But little did Fred know, a crisis was about to begin that would completely destroy the business. Just as Fred's business was beginning, so was the 1973 oil crisis. You see, because of political tensions in the Middle East, the organization of the petroleum exporting countries, known as OPEC, placed an oil embargo on countries they believed were supporting Israel, which included the United States, where Fred was operating his business. Since the US heavily relied on oil from the Middle East, they were one of the hardest hit countries, and the oil prices quadrupled, and these rapidly rising fuel costs put FedEx in serious trouble. Federal Express was just getting off the ground, and the 14 Falcon airplanes took a lot of jet fuel, and because of the oil embargo, jet fuel was hitting historic high prices with no potential downturn in sight. As a result, FedEx's operating costs were spiraling out of control, and the company was losing an estimated $30,000 per day. Fred's vision was literally running out of gas, and Federal's Express hopeful beginnings were losing altitude. It's estimated in the first 26 months of business, Fred Smith saw a $29 million loss. And understandably, investors were not so keen on putting more money in, since it was unclear when oil prices would drop again. Fred became so desperate that he had to ask his loyal employees to hold on to their paychecks and not cash them for as long as possible in order to try and keep the company afloat. FedEx pilots and drivers even started using their own credit cards to fuel up and get reimbursed later as they knew how little money the company had left. Fred himself completely stopped taking any pay from the company because there wasn't really any to take. But it still wasn't enough. The oil embargo and difficult economic situation was all too much. The company got down to its last $5,000 in its bank account, and at that moment, Fred received a fuel bill for $24,000. It was a Friday, and with $5,000 in the business bank account and a bill of $24,000 due by Monday, it seemed Federal Express was heading for bankruptcy. In a desperate last-ditch attempt to save the business, Fred Smith tried to land a potential investment deal with General Dynamics, which could secure an emergency cash influx. He put his best suit on and went into the meeting believing this could be the turning point for his company, but the deal fell through. Due to the volatility of the current situation and the need to be conservative, General Dynamics rejected his pitch. After this denial for further business financing, it seemed Fred could not afford to pay the fuel bill, and therefore this was the end of his business. Sitting in an airport lounge on his way home from that meeting, Fred, feeling utterly depressed, began to think about the future of his then 389 employees and how they were all going to lose their jobs. 
He thought about his dream, how close they were, but how ultimately his economics professor was going to be proved right all along. As he sat in that airport lounge in Chicago, he knew that once he landed back in Memphis, he'd have to break the bad news to his team. He'd have to admit defeat and perhaps pack up the things in his office. After all, unless he could pay the fuel bill, the planes wouldn't fly Monday. For a moment, Fred felt completely defeated. It was over. But then he started to give himself a pep talk. This was Fred Smith, who'd beat a childhood of physical pain and overcome his disease. This was Fred Smith, who'd got his pilot's license at age 15 and helped start a record company in a garage whilst in high school. This was Fred Smith, who'd graduated from Yale and survived two tours in Vietnam. In that moment, Fred vowed that if the banks and investors wouldn't give him the money he needed to save the business, he'd get it himself. Fred was due to start boarding his flight in a few minutes, but at the last moment, he decided he wasn't going back to Memphis. Instead, Fred withdrew the final $5,000 in his company's bank account and impulsively booked a new flight to a different destination. Fred Smith was heading to Las Vegas. Fred had decided if we're gonna go down, we're gonna go down with a fight. That's why he'd taken the company's last $5,000 and decided he was gonna gamble it and try to win enough money to pay FedEx's bills. So the survival of FedEx came down to a weekend of gambling in Las Vegas. Once Fred landed in Vegas, he headed straight to the blackjack tables. Now, blackjack is a pretty simple game. Your cards need to add up to a higher number than the dealer, but not go over 21. However, in the 70s, there were some blackjack tables which just used one deck of cards, which meant it was easier to count cards and gain an edge, a skill Fred had developed in the Marines from all the time he spent playing the game. Of course, whilst this gave him a slight advantage, it was still a game reliant on luck. And Fred's luck definitely went both up and down. He'd win a couple of hands, but then lose a couple. And so his winnings went up and down as well. It was nerve-wracking enough playing when there was just money on the line, but this was his entire company on the line, his dream, and the jobs of all his employees. But Fred remained focused, playing hand after hand, and at one point managed to get up to $35,000. He felt unstoppable, but then he had a bad hand. And another, his confidence started to shake. His earnings were quickly falling, but luckily he stopped with just enough. By the end of the weekend, Fred had successfully turned Federal Express's remaining balance of $5,000 into $27,000. And that was enough to pay the looming fuel bill and keep the company in the air for another week. So Fred quit while he was ahead, deposited the cash in the business bank account and headed home. Now obviously $20,000 wasn't gonna be enough to save the company long-term, but it bought himself and the company a little more time to come up with a plan. When Fred returned, his team at FedEx was shocked to learn that Fred had taken the company's final $5,000 and literally gambled it. But to be fair to Fred, there had been logic to his decision. Without paying their fuel bill, the company was doomed to fail, so he essentially felt he had nothing to lose. And as it happened, the gamble quite literally paid off. It not only showed Fred was willing to risk it all for the business, but it had bought Fred more time to speak with investors. And sure enough, within a couple of weeks, Fred had managed to get new investors to come on board and put in $11 million. This resulted in their first profitable year in 1976. Now, during the turbulent 70s, most airlines and couriers were playing it very conservative and cut their costs as much as possible. But Fred, ever the gambler, decided that whilst their competition were being risk averse, it was the perfect time for FedEx to double down on their marketing and go all in. So FedEx far outspent the competition with big advertising campaigns. This significantly increased FedEx's market share in the industry and improved the brand identity and recognition. However, they weren't even attempting to take business from the big guys. They were going after new territories and new markets. Federal Express initially kept its focus on smaller cities rather than the large ones where airline cargo holds were still delivering packages. This meant 
FedEx had much less competition and reached a lot of new customers. By 1976, 19,000 parcels per day were being moved, and due to their ability to handle big shipments so quickly, they soon attracted big customers like IBM and even the US Air Force. Federal Express was expanding quickly, but very soon there was another roadblock that Fred Smith and his team would have to deal with, the government. During the later half of the 1970s, logistic companies of all shapes and sizes were beginning to pop up. Trucking was changing, shipyards were growing, and the transportation of packages by air was on the rise. But something was stifling progress. Airline transport regulation. Because of previous regulations secured by the major airlines, they developed a monopoly on moving larger, weightier goods in their cargo holds. They got paid to move people, and they got paid to move packages. And they could move a lot because the regulation laws gave them precedent. And unlike companies such as FedEx, the airlines didn't have the same weight restrictions on their planes. For example, FedEx couldn't legally carry more than 7,500 pounds per plane, which restricted them to only small aircraft, which obviously hindered how much they could expand their business. But if that restriction were to be lifted, the sky was the limit, and Fred could use the largest planes possible to grow his business faster and expand his customer reach. So Fred decided to make another bold move, and joined forces with his competitors. FedEx and other small carriers banded together and vigorously lobbied the US government and the then president, Jimmy Carter. FedEx spent several years lobbying Congress for deregulation of air cargo, and this shared desire for true and fair competition paid off. In 1978, President Carter created and signed the Airline Deregulation Act, which removed the restrictive limits in place for couriers, such as the restriction about how much weight could be on board a plane. This gave FedEx and many other similar carriers the ability to fly as large of planes as they could afford, and thus provide genuine competition for the big commercial airlines. Fred Smith was now free to expand and grow at an almost limitless level. With this newfound freedom given by the federal government, Fred decided to take the company public on the stock market. And in 1978, FedEx had its IPO on the New York Stock Exchange, helping Fred raise even more money for the company. This influx of more money allowed Fred to expand the company's destination list, which meant building new hubs all over the United States, along with buying more and bigger planes. Fred finally had the freedom, the funding, and the drive to take his company to a whole new level. With more freedom and more planes, the 1980s saw even more rapid expansion for FedEx. In 1981, FedEx opened its first world hub in Memphis and built the company up to being the largest air freight company in the US at that time. Fred also expanded the company's technology as well, and it's reported FedEx were the first US company to use computers to internally manage and track packages. And by 1983, the financial security of FedEx was no longer in question. Sales topped $1 billion for the first time. And by 1984, they started intercontinental operations with shipping services to Europe and Asia. Year after year during the 80s, FedEx stacked up new record-breaking stats, and by the end of the decade, they were operating in 90 countries across all continents. They also bought international couriers, such as Geico Express International and Flying Tiger, to help give them a stronger foothold in other countries too. Another big development FedEx pioneered in the 90s was allowing passengers to track their parcels themselves online via the internet. And by the end of the 90s, FedEx was the number one overnight shipping service in the world. However, since FedEx's business model was clearly successful, more and more competition had also popped up. So FedEx began buying other companies to expand their offerings further. For example, in 2004, FedEx purchased the printing business Kinko's for $2.4 billion. They also acquired logistics companies, customs and duties companies, and many more businesses. This allowed FedEx to vertically integrate and be a part of the full package sending experience. And if you look at FedEx's services today, you'll see it's so much more than just the simple service of shipping packages from point A to point B, like when the company first began. 
As of today, FedEx's number of planes, hubs and destinations have grown to staggering numbers, whilst Fred himself has become a multi-billionaire as he's still the largest individual shareholder of FedEx. And since it's reported FedEx has over 700 planes in its fleet, it's actually one of the world's largest airlines. Not bad for a business idea that only got given a C grade. love this kind of stuff and that was a great recap by magnets media i love that just documentary style videos kelly what right. are your thoughts on this it was a really interesting watch because i didn't really know anything about the history of fedex yeah um and it really comes full circle because in today's society and today's financial ups and downs roller coaster we're kind of in the same spot that he was yeah you know like the oil got to this crazy price inflation all this kind of roll up up and down a roller coaster things that happen in business Mm -hmm. you can see happening today so it's not like you're watching that and going oh that's weird in the 70s because that wouldn't happen today because yeah it it in fact is happening and it is a roller coaster effect and he didn't give up on himself so i mean i i like the whole storyline the whole storyline and just the you can survive if you if you have the willpower yeah, you know trying. what i mean yeah 100%. and he, he did amazing things at such a young age i mean pilot license at 15 yeah. and he went to yale and he started a record record company at 17 while in mm-hmm. high school like normal normal people don't do that right so and that's all besides the right medical disabilities right, right. Like, that's all besides all that kind of stuff so. and so him being faced with oh i have 378 employees and we're going to be out of business next week. He didn't give up on himself. I mean, you know, he took what he learned while he was in Vietnam, (laughs) counting cards and said, well, why not do or die? Freaking awesome. You know, so it was a great, it was, it's a great little watch. And you're right. The, the YouTube creator did a great job at making a compact story of Mm -hmm. a a man's 75 years of life and, you know, whole company and up and down and, you know, how they evolved. Different videos that are hour long, you know, and I've always thought about it. Only 20 minutes so it is a great watch if you got 20 minutes it's a great little you know educational video really on you know how to how to keep keep the will and keep keep moving forward even if you fail you fail forward and And, keep going and this all goes down to the rabbit holes of youtube and videos of tiktok and stuff that i go down nightly i found this one a while back i kind of figured that that that's why you sent it to me it was like like, you got to watch it so we can talk about it yeah because this was a good one i was like you know i've always found this story fascinating but the way this guy just narrowed it down quick i was like yeah this is a really julian goes through many rabbit holes at night 100 (laughs) i'll come and check on him in his office and i'll be like i'm on this documentary right here and i'm like what how on earth did you even get to that so let's talk about another topic that people have been vocal about per se would be transfer the new lots edition. of great things yeah everybody at, that has had a review on it mm-hmm. has had nothing but great and fabulous things to say yeah so our friends so our friend michelle monroe has a youtube channel she i freaking love her channel she goes everywhere right she's awesome and she's a vegas local but she went on opening night right Actually, we watched her 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 video her video and it's in the app and everything mm-hmm. but what's really cool is she went early and she was like all right so if you're gonna come she gives you all these tips about what right. you should do what you should look out for how to avoid the groups get in right. get out beat everything so it was really cool to see some of these but it was was really cool to see on video some of these 
massive pieces they have that light up or right. blow out fire. You go walk in and you got all kinds of freaking lights going off. It's really interesting. Yeah. And being that it's all leading up to EDC when it comes to right. Vegas and Resorts World being the home hotel base for that event. It's pretty interesting that that was the choice that right. they picked this. People really seem to like this. They really did. Dana from the Vegas Revealed mm-hmm. podcast. I was listening to that today and she went and as well had great things really? to say about it. She did give the the advice, don't wear nice shoes. Oh, because it's you know, dusty. Right? Yes. Yeah. That's don't, what, if you're, that's if you're exactly a girl, don't wear said. don't wear yeah. your heels because yeah. it's a lot of gravel and don't wear really nice shoes because, you know, they're, they're going to get dirty. That was her piece of advice. But she was really impressed with it as well. But Very I mean, cool. everybody that I've listened to mm-hmm. this last week that has gone to it has been imp- thoroughly impressed. Very cool. Yeah. On a side note, a non-Vegas note, and that's just because I saw your paper over there. Julian went last week with the boys. They had at school Donuts with Dad last oh, yeah. Friday. How was that, honey? On a, on a non-Vegas note, just as a dad note, what, how was that going with the boys? Great. It's my one day a year I have to set my <laughs> alarm to wake up early. <laughs> and it was funny be, because I always wake up with the kids. Julian's up late, so I get up, get the kids up and I get them ready for school and I take yeah. them to school. And his alarm is going off and I'm like, why am earth would he set his alarm you know and so like i i turned it off like i i think i hit the snooze mm-hmm, and you had set two mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and so it went off again i thought why did he set his alarm and then you got up and i'm like why are you up early i'm gonna get take the kids and you're like it's donuts with dad day yeah it's my one day <laughs> year babe yeah and no, the boys thor- awesome. thoroughly love doing that but i mean and you fun. even brought me half of a donut home yeah. so that was awesome thank you yeah. but you guys have a good time so since we're jumping off topic let's talk about <laughs> dinner the other night so we go to this dinner oh goodness and and your dad is appointed grand marshal which is really (laughs) cool so your mom's excited they're telling us hey you gotta meet us here friday night so you tell us and the boys boys dress nice we get ourselves ready i have a nice shirt on and our eight-year-old has a different idea yes so i work from home now right and so I never do my makeup anymore. I never really get dressed. I'm in like sweats, comfy stuff. That's my MO for the last year and a half, right? So I come out like an hour before and I have makeup on and my son's like, the little one, eight-year-old, he's like, what are you doing? I said, we're going to Poppy's thing tonight. Remember, he, he it's a dinner for him. He's like, oh, and I said, so you're going to dress nice, okay? Just not not, not your shorts, you know? He's like, okay. And so he sees Julian. Julian comes out and he just has a, he has a handsome button-up shirt on, right? You have the navy navy and black button-up shirt. And Jackson looks at, looks at him. He's like, huh. So he goes in his room on his own and he comes out with this button-up shirt we've got him from Las Vegas. And on the bottom are the dice and the flames and casino chips casino chips yes and he's like mom this is my nice shirt i'm gonna wear this one and i said you know your dad has a matching one don't you and he goes oh he does and he's like dad dad yeah so i get out of the restroom i'm washing up and stuff and he's all dad look at my nice shirt i'm all that is nice and he goes you know what you should put yours on too and i was like okay and so i put my shirt on and i said hey i can't really get in trouble for this because you know i mean we're dressing nice and so mom can't get mad and yeah we wore our las vegas shirts to our nice dinner and And the little one was so so excited he was so stoked but while we were eating dinner this is my favorite 
part. He's sitting there playing on his iPad, and he looks up at me, and he's all, Dad, we have the coolest shirts in here. I'm like, yeah, we do. Hell yeah, we do. <laughs> and he loves it. And Julian's posted pictures on so his social yeah, media. But, funny. I mean, they look pretty sweet and pretty dapper. And <laughs> the 8-year-old is just so excited to wear his shirt. He was wearing with pride. He threw on matching he, pants and hat. Yes. And he was crazy. He, they, they had the best time. So that is the bonding experience. So I think the little one is going to adapt well. Oh, when yeah. We, when I, we I make asked the move. him, are you nervous about moving to Las Vegas? He's looked at me in the face and <laughs> no. Like, why? <laughs> yeah, you're right. What do you have to worry about? He's got his mommy. He's yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about another interesting topic. Jumping back into casinos is slot vultures, bonus hunters. I call them bonus hunters. Yeah, right. So if you guys don't know what we're Jonathan Jossel used yeah. to call them bonus hunters, yeah. right? So <laughs> what we're referring to is people who basically go around looking for bonuses to hit on slot machines and basically now there's people out there that wait behind you yeah. while you're playing just to see if you're going to hit your bonus and basically camp out to hit your bonus if right. you do leave. Because it's the same thing. It's, it's a form of advantage play, right. really. Right. If you get up and you've put invested money in there right. and there are, you know, two or three time X's on your video poker machine left or right. there is a progressive that is a, right. a must hit buy, right. whatever, and it's pretty close. It's inva- That is advantage play. Like so, you're, you were trying to take advantage of hitting that at its peak and making that money. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because in the beginning, it started being just a few amount of people. Now there's groups. Right. And And I'm sure it's because more people are videoing their play. And so as people explain it, when they're videoing their own play, like, oh, this is a must hit buy or whatever, people are listening. People are watching and they're going, oh, that's that machine. Oh, I want to hit that. You know what I mean? So the more people are videoing and explaining certain casino games, the more people are going to be like, oh, I want to take advantage too. Right. And so jumping on a bandwagon. What I found interesting about it is our friend Bill Krakenberger, as people know him, people know him as crack. He goes around on social media and he shares some of these videos at casinos where there's groups of people just huddling around a slot player right and he's like don't be these people and <laughs> i give him a lot of kudos for it because you know in the moment to do it, it's one thing and right you know, it's a little nerve-wracking because you know then people are not going to like it but for him to put them on blast right. and say hey don't do this kind of crap i mean you got to make a person feel uncomfortable especially if they're playing the slot machine right maybe i don't know i, ha- I kind of have mixed emotions on bonus hunters slash vultures really like, if I'm playing, I'm not looking behind me, honestly. Yeah. Like, I but am focused. if you focused. have 10 people behind you, you're not going to notice 10 people behind you? I, You know... Kelly, I notice one is standing behind me. See, and I don't. No, uh, yeah. Like, when I'm... I can even have headphones You've on. seen me playing, yeah. like, Sharknado. Like, I'm just playing. No. You know what I mean? And for me, if I see somebody waiting... I'm going to play it as long as I have money. They don't bother me. You know what I mean? Um, So I don't know if if it's a plus or a minus. Then I'm like, come on, baby, hit. Just so I can turn around and be like, ha ha. Well, and it brings up the other interesting point of I got to give kudos to Plaza because on one of their latest podcasts, they mentioned how they handle these kind of players, right? right? They can't necessarily 86 them from the property for doing this because it's not illegal. And by gaming commission standards, it's, it's not illegal at all either. So they can't really 86 them from the property but they are 86ing them from the rewards program right which is really smart because then they can't utilize free right. play when people and do i'm guessing leave. it's if they cause a problem maybe if they're hindering somebody else's entertainment yeah but i mean if this, people are just standing behind you and yeah. you're you know you don't notice and it, you know you don't care mm-hmm. maybe it's not but maybe if they're like 
sit right next to you and they're staring at you, or right. if you have to complain, right. then it's a different situation. Um, right. And it brings up the other one of now casinos are putting these little placards on. And I haven't machines. seen those. Yeah. You were telling me yes, about that. I think so it I mean, was Scott Vital Vegas, he posted one of a picture of the slot machine has it actually has an actual little label that says it has a progressive. Right. Okay. Be aware of people trying to maneuver you to move into another machine or something right. of that standard. So be aware of that. Don't fall for it. Okay. But yeah, so this is becoming a real thing. I haven't seen any of it. And I only social media wise am on Facebook. So yeah. if it's not, if it's on Instagram or Twitter or what's the other one? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Tick, I, I very rarely do TikTok either. Yeah. So if I don't see it on Facebook, I don't really, I'm not aware of it. So yeah. like even like a lot of Scott stuff, like you said, he does yeah. a lot of Instagram. No, he right? does a lot or, of Twitter. Oh, Twitter. No, so I'm not on Twitter, yet. so I don't see anything yeah. that comes up yeah. unless you're on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to tell me about most of it. Yeah, it's just, it's becoming more of a thing, so I thought we'd mention it because when he shared this video last week and this machine that they were all hunting was basically at 90 $800 and it was to hit by 10 grand, right? So they had literally 10 people sitting behind this person on the And slot you know what's machine. funny is we've been on machines like that, like um, the Brian Christopher one that oh, has yeah. those things. That, those must hit by, they don't track very quickly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could put $5,000 in there before yeah. it moves $100 yeah. up there. So it's not necessarily like, oh, it's going to hit well, in the next 30 minutes. And it's the same minutes. thing with so, the pots I mean, getting full and right. all that kind of stuff. I mean, you saw firsthand this last trip, you had a pot that was full and what, took you 100 bucks on... And your pot was empty and it hit. My pot was... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and that yeah, was the, yeah. the little devil game. Um, Wicked, Wicked Wheel. Wicked yeah, Wheel. Wicked Wheel. That's ha, what it is. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just remember the name. That's what it is. But... It was, uh, it also happened one time I was playing like the money game. Remember the, like, it has the cows? Cow, yeah. Money burn or money cow or I don't know, something like that. But it had a must hit by. But literally, I put like $300 in before I hit the $50 must hit by. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, mm, is it really yeah. worth it? Yeah. So, I mean, a bonus hunter, it might not actually be a bonus. You might have, might have a deficit yeah. by the time it yeah. hits. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I think it's still all luck of the draw. It's a it slot really machine. Is. It's, it goes with the term gambling, right? Yeah. It all lines up. And you really got to be dedicated if you're going to sit there and wait. Because I know if oh. I'm in a casino, I just want an open machine. And you know you got to put the money up. Right. You know you're putting the money but, up. But I, I just want an open machine. I don't want to sit and wait. But I guess if they're looking at it from the point of, hey, if we're going to put our money into something something that's almost a guarantee versus a random slot yeah which it's the same thing don't get me wrong but they're looking at this thing as this has got a hit then it becomes right? more of a job and not entertainment yeah a hundred percent right a hundred percent so then you then you have that that where you lie when we actually move to vegas i i want to be like lady luck like that would be my dream job honestly yeah. because channel i love to play yeah I love to play, and if people would like to watch me play, I'm okay with that. I'll yeah. put makeup on. Not a problem, guys. But, I mean, I, I that would be something that I love to do, and we have permission already from the plaza. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because at home, we don't have casinos that we've talked to like that would no. say like you know but it'd be different but i mean i'm down to be lady luck 2.0 <laughs> so let's talk about another interesting one kim kardashian was in vegas recently and went to the katy perry concert and an usher concert but at the katy perry concert while she was there with her daughter and North. her daughter's friends mm -hmm. 
Katy Perry pulled them on stage yeah. and took pictures with them and stuff, which is pretty neat. And I guess afterwards, Katy Perry asked Kim Kardashian if, when she can be a sister or something to that effect. And I'm thinking to myself, just keep in your lane. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't jump into that aspect. But the reason I mentioned this Kim Kardashian one, because we ourselves watched this lady on TikTok, right? This yes. Kim Kardashian. Like, and if you guys have ever seen her videos. It's like a meme she's lady. Yeah, yeah. She, it's not Kim Kardashian. No, like, she portrays like all yes. the sisters and like how they would react, oh I think, on God. Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I don't really watch that show. Oh, my God. Um, no, I, I've never I've, really. Yeah, you've same. never, never. No, I've yeah. seen like one or two shows yeah, right. out of. I, right. I think there's I think there's years <laughs> yeah, of oh, them. I'm sure there is. Um, and I don't really. That's not really something that I follow. I've only watched one show. I know they're they're. <laughs> That would be a movie, and oh. all those have are gone. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> Not cool, bro. Oh. Not cool. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know. That's <laughs> great. So yeah, after they left the first show, a few days later, they went to go see Usher. Right. Him and some friends, her hairdresser and stuff. Well, they go, and while they're in the crowd, I guess Usher notices her and starts singing to her and performing in front of her. And so it caught a lot of social media attention <laughs> and people asking, like, oh, I look know. at this, right? Yeah, so I thought that was funny. But the lady on TikTok kills me, man. She, Her shit's You talk so about, funny. yeah. It's so funny. You showed I'll me a few tears. of her videos. Just her reactions to the girls themselves and it's and then the one with like she uses post-it notes for fingernails and she moves her fingers all the time and that's not like she's portraying kim and courtney and chloe i believe like and they're just different versions of their reactions to a conversation it's just stupid shit yeah oh you love it you absolutely love it but you know it just goes to show it doesn't matter how much money you have because all of those sisters have been divorced i believe Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, I mean, yeah. it, it, money doesn't necessarily bring <laughs> monogamy and or happiness. Like, everybody goes through trials and tribulations. I mean, I mean some of it could be for the show. I'm, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I'm only, sure yeah. I only read tidbits that show yeah. up, you know, in the yeah. U.S. news yeah. and breaks, news breaks things. So I don't know it all either. But, I mean, everybody has shit going on, I guess. Yeah. Definitely an interesting trip. <laughs> <laughs> but good for her. Go yeah, right. go out and have fun. Yeah, that's what life's about. Because I can imagine how hard life is really for famous people. Yeah, just to get that, around and try right. to get out and do stuff. I mean, it, it's got to be frustrated, yeah, yeah. frustrating just yeah. to try to be normal. And that's what's neat about Vegas is there's so many back private dining rooms right. to every restaurant that people don't know about where right. these celebrities get to go. And, yeah. you know, so that is a pretty cool aspect. And that's why a lot of people go to Vegas. Because, well, because celebrities, look how many regular people don't want to cook for themselves. Celebrities especially don't want to cook no, for themselves. No, no. But they want to experience no, yeah, great right. food, right. you know, by great chefs. So, I mean, and it's all the stuff relative to, like we said last episode, you know, the lady who walked into the, the star per, Starburst parlor when she was like, hey, I want that green drink right. I saw online. Right. That's all she said when she walked in the door. I just have to say that famous people are safe with me because I am oblivious <laughs> to anybody when I'm walking anywhere. I, I do not recognize anybody anywhere but so famous people you are safe walking with me because i won't know who the fuck you are so let's talk about another interesting one a hundred thousand dollars in a duffel bag was stolen this week from where from where the the tropicana (laughs) by i'm assuming a hooker and they caught her running out with minimal clothes right with the duffel bag 
And then this guy comes running out naked out of the hotel <laughs> hall room, a hallway, and ends up in the casino yeah. telling security, hey, I just got robbed for $100,000. He's chasing his money, bro. What the fuck are you doing with $100,000 at Tropicana? Of all places. <sighs> the place has missing windows. Like, why are you doing that to Boy, yourself? Boy, if you got a hundred grand, you can hire a better escort than somebody that's going to take off with your hundred grand. But Jesus, it just these <laughs> escorts have been getting ballsy lately. They're putting watches well, in places. Killing Rolexes, there. Who in the hell keeps a hundred thousand dollars in a bag? You have a safe. Yeah. There, every room has a safe. I mean, and you're right. If you have a hundred thousand dollars, stay at the freaking Bellagio. Yeah. Stay at Get Caesar's Palace. Win. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Come on, man. I mean, yeah. That that was my thought process immediately. Like that was the first wait, thing you said. What? He was staying at the Tropicana. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? How how do you explain that one to police? Yeah. Who who she was and why she has your yeah, duffel bag and why are you naked? Why is she gone? <laughs> <laughs> So, because I know this is going to be our next Patreon topic, I wanted to bring this up and just bring up part of your thoughts and feelings on this next topic, which is moving to Las Vegas. Do you have any question marks, worries, concerns, excitements about certain things? Is there anything that's on your mind when it comes to Las Vegas in particular? Because I get this question a lot. And I know we can have our own episode on Patreon about things we're excited about and things we want to do and stuff. But I mean, I can go down a list, but I want to know what your feelings are, because there's a lot of people that are friends and are interested about moving to Vegas in the future. And we have friends that have just moved and we talked about the A's already and stuff, but I'd love to hear from you. You have any major concerns, worries, issues, thoughts, anything in particular on your mind when it comes to making the official move? I've decided we should just stay. In Vegas for the rest of our lives? Yeah, you're right. I agree. Absolutely agree. <laughs> I'm 100% on board with that one. I know my mom is not excited. Yeah. She right. she's she's stated that a few different ways in yeah. a few different times, but um, I don't know. I mean, we've been here all our lives, so yeah. I'm I'm trying to get wings and spread them and fly, even if it's only one state over for right now. But I mean, we we don't really have anything else holding us here. My parents really are the only things that the only people that are close here that are important to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, in in the big ballpark of picture right. thing, you know, what you know, my, our oldest child is in Georgia, and she mm-hmm. doesn't plan on coming back. The second oldest is gonna play football here for a year, but he hopes to, you know, go D one somewhere, yeah, right. and and that's not gonna be here. So he'll be gone within the next year mm-hmm. somewhere, hopefully playing D one, where we can go watch him as many games as possible as well. And our other two are coming with us. Yeah. So um, grounding wise, we don't have anything keeping us here, so there's not really a better time to be like let's do it especially because the the job we both have now is centered over in Vegas that was a big part for me because hey we already have a foot in the door we have jobs and that's a lot of people's issue when they make the move or if you know it's not a company moving them is hey I gotta get there get situated start looking for work we have work which is already kind of like a leeway in which is great I feel like we'll be able to do so much more cover so much more get around meet so much more people like well I know for you 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 this is something you've longed for for a long time but I think for the family aspect itself 
and this is what I talk about a lot, and I don't even think the family realizes this, is is I've learned so much over the last two years that there is so much for them to see. Right, and, right. And I had no idea that, hey, this is a place that we have so much to discover with the family, things right. to do, places to go, areas around Vegas that we right. got to go witness. So, yes, working in Vegas and being there so frequently and, yeah, making more connections, all that's been a great part of it. But I think being able to do so much more with our family there in the place that we enjoy so much more. I think it's just going to make it all come full circle because then they'll also have an appreciation for what Vegas has to offer because they'll know what it has and what's there and what the goods and the bads are. And I think that's one thing that I think the appreciation that we have for it, they already see that we enjoy it and we like going so much. So they're like, yeah, let's go. Let's make the move. And the kids are excited about it, too. So and so, yeah, I think you're right on that aspect that there is no better time. We have a place lined up, which is great. I mean, that's another green light for us that's helping so a lot of things are falling into place where they need to be all by us doing what we love to do which is this podcast which is really really great and it does come full circle to say you guys you listeners are the best I mean they really freaking show up and support everywhere we go and being in Vegas I think we can actually hold events do things hang out with these listeners have group meetups and do things you know on top of the things that we already join in on already I don't know I, I, I guess this question a lot and I know we can cover so many different things and ideas of places to go and do with the family but I think there's just so much more to Vegas that people don't realize besides the gambling and the casinos and the restaurants and the things you can do and go out and enjoy and not have to break an arm and a leg to spend money on to just to go and witness and do these things and enjoy really gonna bring so much more to the show so much more to what we do and expand our knowledge to actually get better at what we're doing already right because we, I mean, I hear all the time, hey, I love what you do. I think we do a good job at what we do a few hundred miles away, right? I mean, realistically. And yeah. I think once we're there, we, we can be doing a whole lot more and having a whole lot more fun and just exploring the city even more. You're never going to be home. I just know it. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> You're no. never going to be home. <laughs> I'm not. So, but yeah, no, we get that question a lot. And yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you. Is, do you have any concerns, worries, issues? Because we do get this question a lot from people who are listeners, people who watch the YouTube channel and know that we're there all the time and know that we're eager to make the move. And they're like, hey, you're not going to, you know, lose that love for the... I'm like, no, we... We're willing to come here, right? Like, that should show a whole different aspect of it. Like, I don't see myself getting there and being like, okay. Well, it's just one of those questions, you know, like, if you have an artist and you, upcoming artist, they go to the place that inspires them, that love, they that they fell in love with. Like, a lot of artists will go move to Paris. Yeah. Because that is what inspires them. It's the same thing here. Vegas inspires you to do the best that you can, whether it be for the job or for the podcast or for YouTube or your community. So you want to be there to the place that inspires you so you can do make the most out of it yeah yeah that's the way I'm looking at it yeah for you and I, I just I think there's so much more we haven't done or even touched 
Right. Especially like as a couple, places to go dining, places to witness and go out as a couple without the kids, places to do stuff with the family, like the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Right. And that's the stuff. I'm more so like with the kids. I want to take them to Mount Charleston when it's snowing. Yeah. I want to take them to Red Rock to hike. Mm -hmm. And if you go there for a few days with the kids, that's not exactly on their radar because they just want to have fun experiences like Adventure Dome and the things that, you know, kids like to do. But if you're there living there, that's a weekend trip that you can take because it's part of a family experience. Yeah, 100%. So I think those are the things that I'm looking forward to, you know, and we do things here with the kiddos, but it's a whole new ball game when you get over there because there's so many more new experiences that they haven't seen or been exposed to. I'm super stoked. You don't seem too nervous, but I mean, there's that natural, like when you're making a move. Yes. There's a, you know, there's always going to be the butterflies in your stomach and is this done? Is this done? And what do I think about this? And, you know, this is an expense and that's an expense. And, you know, what do you, what do you get rid of? What do you save? What Mm -hmm. is for, you know, later posterity? What do we start just brand new over with? There's a lot of things that go down that pipeline, but. And a a big part of it is too, we've been here for so many years, right? Right. One place. We've we've been here for nine, almost nine years. Almost nine years. Yeah. You have all that accumulation of stuff. So yeah, you're right. You got to phase out what you're getting rid of, throwing in. So we're making And And literally when we moved to this place, Jackson was three months old. Mm -hmm. So this is the only place he's known. This is the only house he's known. So that's a transition too. So it's going to be, everything's going to be a little bit different, but it's exciting. It's all, it's all about how you look at it. Is the glass half full or is it half empty is, you know, I view it as home is where the heart is and we're going to make our home wherever we are. But we've just, that's where we're at in life. Like we're, through thick and through thin, we're gonna we're gonna do this. Yeah, we're right? gonna make it work, and it's gonna work. And no matter what we do, we're, we're gonna, gonna be work, successful. work, 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 work. It's gonna work out. I, I make him laugh too much. I think that you know he can't do it without me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I do like comedy shows. See, and if all else fails, maybe you know I just go to the laugh factory. Whatever. Yeah, every night, 10 p.m. Let's go. That's awesome. Well, this has been this week's episode. This was a fun one, guys. If you're looking for more content check out our youtube channel check out all of our stuff on social media if you haven't already and if you don't know and if you're newer to the podcast check out the vegas near me app totally free has everything for you to do in town restaurants activities shows and events everything i can't emphasize everything enough when it comes to restaurant menus details turn by turn directions ubers and lifts podcast and videos <laughs> just so much different stuff that you yeah. can use it has on everything daily. and you can see everything before you go guys check it out it's a big way of showing you what we've been working on for the last year and a half two years together a part of this company and again this is what's helping us get there check out the app all there for you if you want to look up anything to do all totally free yeah and to go right along with that i do have to mention we mentioned last episode we are doing a giveaway if you do find yourself at the plaza and you want to get take advantage of our silver strike coin giveaway from the plaza we are giving away our next four silver strike coins to the next four people that post a picture of themselves and the pizza from the sand dollar using the half off deal that's in the free vegas near me app all you have to do is order a drink order your pizza you get half off your pizza just by using this app and the pizza is delicious and this is only available at the plaza location go check it out and take advantage of this offer post it on social media and we'll make sure to get this silver strike coin right to you guys and which makes your pizza absolutely free because the silver strike coins worth 10 bucks all you gotta do is Boom. take it to the cage it's a win-win guys yep. my friends until next week we will chat with you again cheers cheers, cheers.